Now, I wonder, uh, if you could ask Jesus one question, what would it be? Just wonder what that might be. You might ask him maybe to explain more about what's going on in the world, you know, why things have happened to you or not happened to you. You might want to ask him what's going to happen in the future. Well, we have in this um, reading one of the great questions that that, uh, was ever asked Jesus from his disciples where they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I think if anyone could answer that question accurately, how we can know how to pray, it would have been Jesus, so he's a good person to ask. So the question is, how do we talk to God? How do we connect our life, our thoughts, our hearts? How do we connect that with God's life? and with God's heart? How do we really speak to him? How do we see him answer us, provide us with what we really need? This is what they're asking. And I know that many people listening here today will still wrestle with that question. How do I pray? How do I talk to God properly? So let's see what Jesus says in this section of Luke's gospel to see how we can answer that question. Now in this story, as it begins, we heard Jesus has been praying himself off in a quiet place and his disciples have observed this and they've taken the opportunity to ask him to share his secrets of prayer with them. And he does this in two ways. Firstly, as we see, he gives them a model prayer of words to guide what they should say in prayer. And this is, of course, what we know as the Lord's Prayer. And then he explains how they can be certain that the prayer that they're going to pray is a real and effective connection with God because of who God is, so how they can be confident. So let's first think about verses 2 to 4 where he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And that prayer is something that most of us are quite familiar with, sometimes to a very surprising extent. Uh, We find this prayer in here in Luke's Gospel and also in the Gospel of Matthew in uh, in chapter 6. The version in Matthew is a bit longer than the one that Luke reports here, and it's the basis for the prayer that we use in church, which I think we're going to pray later. And you'll notice when you read Luke and Matthew that the ending of the prayer that we often use in church, you know, for the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever, amen, it's not actually part of the prayer in the gospel that Jesus taught. It was a traditional ending to the prayer in worship that some part of the church added later. Just so you, if you're ever wondering why that isn't in the Bible, that's why we pray it though. Now, the Lord's Prayer is an interesting cultural artifact really because it's one of the few parts of the Bible that large number of people in our general culture actually know. Um, along with something like Psalm 23, people actually have heard of this or they know parts of it. It's been widely taught in many schools over the years and still used to open our parliament to this day, though whether that will continue is being debated, I believe. Now, of course, the version of the Lord's Prayer that most people are familiar with comes from the King James Version of the Bible uh, in the 1600s. Um, I always have to get that version out of my files when I do funerals uh, because it's the one that people remember from Sunday school. It's the one they would like to pray when they come to that time. We do use a more modern version in our services today that's more accurate to the actual meaning of the original words in the Greek Bible, though. Now, I've often, yeah, I've often had conversations with people at St. Mark's about this, you know, about whether we should say, forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins, um, or whether we should say, lead us not into temptation or save us from the time of trial, and what's the difference? So in summary, I think this is a part of the Bible that actually a lot of people know and have genuine opinions about how it should be read. So let's think more about it. What is the Lord's Prayer, though? What is it? What is it actually teaching us? 
as I read it, for me, it's actually a prayer of dependence on God. It's a prayer of dependence on God and also a prayer about the kingdom of God. So the prayer that Jesus taught begins with an acknowledgement, as we see, of God as our Father, the one who cares for and provides for people and expresses the desire that we have that the name of God would be held in holy respect by everyone. Hallowed be your name. So that's a word of worship this prayer begins with. Jesus says, begin by remembering who God is. He is our holy father of this world. And that, that remembrance obviously comes out of the heart of Jesus himself. He prayed to God as his father. He had this close relationship with and he knew his father's love. And he said, when you talk to God, talk to him this way. Father, hallowed be your name. And then the prayer goes on. Jesus says, ask for God's kingdom to come. We are supposed to ask as we pray and hope that God's presence and his power would be seen at work in our world. That is the first thing you ask for. It's the basis for all other prayers that we have, all the hopes that we have for what God will do. Your kingdom come. As we've learned from the rest of Luke's gospel, this kingdom, it's the holistic experience of salvation, healing and justice for us and for the whole world. This is what you're asking. Your kingdom come. And if God's kingdom is going to come, then every other prayer that we have, every other prayer of our heart would already be answered. In one sense, it's the only thing we need to ask for. But there are some specific requests that Jesus also teaches us here to bring to God. Firstly, to ask for our daily bread. And that's why I call this as a prayer of dependence that he's asking us to to learn. We acknowledge that everything that we have and what we need each day to live comes from God and we depend on his goodness for that. Give us today our daily bread. The daily bread, of course, might be similar to perhaps the manna from heaven in the book of Exodus that sustained the Israelites in the wilderness after they left Egypt after Moses. Every day, God gave them the food that they needed, not, not ahead, not behind, just every day, so that they would learn how to trust and how to have faith. And so this is the same prayer. When we ask for our daily bread, we're saying, Father, don't give me everything I think I will ever need right now. Don't give me limitless security, but give me what I need each day to live with you. That's how we talk to our Father, he says. For those of us who are parents, I think that our children just expect that each day they'll have the food that they need. They don't keep a record of what's in the cupboard or wonder whether we're going to actually do it. They trust that we will provide each day. And this is the attitude to our Father that Jesus is saying. It's the same. So we're told to pray for our daily bread. Secondly, we're told to ask for forgiveness of sins, for we also forgive those who sin against us. And in older versions of the prayer, this is often talked about in terms of debts. And debtors forgive us our debts, as we forgive those who have debts debts to us. Um, And that's a truthful interpretation of that as well, sins or debts, things we owe. So what we're asking here is that we be able to live in the way of the kingdom where we receive grace from God and show grace to others. We talked about this a few months ago, I think, as the idea of a circle of grace that Jesus taught his disciples, where as we allow God to work in us, things kind of spiral upwards into healing and forgiveness between us because God's grace is more abundant than our needs could ever be. Forgive us our sins so we forgive those 
who have debts towards us. People sometimes get tied up in this verse because I think of the way it's phrased sometimes, as though it's saying you're not going to be forgiven by God unless we forgive other people. But it's actually the other way around. It's a prayer of confidence saying, I know my sins and my debts have been forgiven by God, so I'm going to forgive others. And the fact that I do is evidence of that. It's a prayer depending on God's grace. It's asking for more of it. Finally, we ask not to be led into temptation or trial. And this is a prayer for, it's a dependence prayer asking for protection from God, for help and guidance. You know, life has many trials. It has difficulties and it has temptations to sin. And we don't need any more of them than we naturally get just from being alive every day. And so Jesus encourages us, ask God that his spirit will walk alongside us and lead us away from those things to save us from the possibility of failure and the loss that they might bring to us. So we depend on God for protection and mercy in our weakness, acknowledging without him we are very vulnerable to the evils of the world. So that is the Lord's Prayer. Jesus is leading us into the heart of, the heart of prayer. How do we actually approach God in prayer? What do you say? It's a prayer where we acknowledge our dependence on God and our trust in what he provides and our hope for the future. It's a prayer of relationship to the Father. Now, the words themselves, they're obviously good to memorize and to use, which is why we do that in worship each week. But obviously the point Jesus has here is to teach us how to pray, not just specific words to say, but what sort of things we're supposed to be praying about. The Lord's Prayer itself is like a short summary of that life of prayer. It's similar to the idea of an arrow prayer you might be familiar with. Kids Connect are learning about arrow prayers last week, which is why there's archery set up in the hall. Um, this is a prayer we shoot off to God in circumstances where we know we need his help and we've practiced, we know we ask God for what we need. Give me my daily bread. Forgive me my sins. We might pray using longer words than these. We might pray for particular things that we need. But this is a model, isn't it, for us of what we're asking for. And so in the next section, Jesus elaborates then on why this should be a prayer of confident dependence because of who God is and because of God's character. So the question is, why should we pray this prayer? Basically, he says, when we pray, when we talk to God, we should imagine the normal response of human beings, like our neighbours and our parents, who will listen to what we ask for and give us what we need. And we know that God, the Father, is more responsive and caring than them, so we can have confidence to approach him. It's a simple analogy. Now, the first scenario he imagines for us is a man going to his neighbour's house in the middle of the night to ask for food in order to look after late-night guests who've just arrived. Now, that's not a situation in our culture we're too familiar with or we might find particularly relatable, but in a culture like the, of that time where people might regularly arrive from long journeys at a late hour and where an obligation to provide hospitality is absolute and expected from honourable people, to not have any food to provide would be a horrible situation to be in and you would be willing to bother your neighbour and wake them up to ask for help. Now, speaking about neighbours reminds me of our topic last week where we thought about the story of the Good Samaritan and who, who a real neighbour is, according to Jesus. And I've got to say, I was very upset after the service because at, at morning tea, someone pointed out to me that I'd given a sermon on the topic of neighbours in July 22 without re referencing the fact that we've just had the last episode of the TV show, Neighbours. 
I can't explain how mortified I was to have missed that opportunity, so I want to rectify that today. Um, for a preacher to miss that connection, it's like a professional soccer player. The goal is open right in front of you, and you just don't kick it in for some reason. So I'm very sorry to do that. Anyway, we can imagine perhaps an episode of Neighbours. Someone comes over in the middle of the night to Toadie or Carl and Susan. I don't know a lot about the show, but I know those names. Um, and asks them for help. And, that take, and if they give it, that takes the relationship to another level. I think maybe that's when good neighbours become good friends, perhaps. Um, yes. All right. But when he does this, this man's neighbour is annoyed and he tells him to go home. My kids aren't awake. My kids are asleep. Stop waking them up. But Jesus says, because of this persistence he has, this audacity to go and ask, he'll actually get what he's asking for. Because otherwise they wouldn't be a good neighbour to him. They would be dishonoured. Basically, he says, because of what we expect for a neighbour, as long as we knock on the door and ask, we'll get what we ask for. And that's the background to the famous saying in verse 9 about prayer, where it says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. He's saying God is better than a grumpy neighbour. He will respond to your prayer without the complaints beforehand about his family needing to be woken up. So that's what that means. And God is, of course, he says, also like a father, as Jesus points out in the next example. And as he says, any basically normal and decent father will give their children food when they ask, and when they can, will give them good things. He wouldn't give them snakes and scorpions to eat when they ask for food. Even people who are not good people at all usually still look after their children. And God is more than a basic decent father. He is the perfect father or a good, good father, as we might say. So we can be confident in the prayer of dependence on him that he's going to listen with an open heart. But it's worth, though, being, in, being clear about what we're in, being encouraged to pray for here. The prayer of dependence on God is ultimately, as we said, it's a prayer about the kingdom of God, as we saw at the beginning there. The promise that if you ask, you will receive. It's not a blank check that all our prayers will be answered and we'll get whatever we want. What we can be confident, though, is that God the Father will give us access and experience of his kingdom when we seek it. In verse 13, the last verse in our reading, it's the key there. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the, your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So, as you see, it's the prayer for the giving of the Holy Spirit that we're to be confident for here. Now, while, of course, our prayer for daily bread, definitely it's about real bread or things we physically need, Ultimately, what sustains us is God's spirit. This is what we need each day. And that's the heart of the kingdom of God. When we ask for your kingdom come, we're asking that God would send the Holy Spirit actively into our lives and into our world. And Jesus said we can be confident that when we ask for that, we will receive it because Jesus is our good father. So what is the answer to this question? When he says, Lord, teach us to pray. Well, what Jesus said in response was that when we pray, we can pray with an attitude and words of dependence on God. We're actually then praying for the kingdom. We're praying that we and everyone else would receive from God what we truly need. We're praying that we would experience his presence and his spirit in our lives. And we're praying that for ourselves and also for the whole world. So I would encourage you to pray according to the Lord's Prayer when you pray, in order to learn how to pray in the way that we should. 
We, you could learn the words off by heart, many of you have, and we can pray them every day. But I think more helpful maybe is to make the different parts of this prayer as the basis for our own prayers. In his book on prayer, C.S. Lewis uh, talked about his practice of what he called festooning his prayers around the Lord's Prayer. Or like, So what he would do is every day he would take a line from the Lord's Prayer, like your kingdom come, and kind of wind around it the idea, all the different ways that God's kingdom might come. And he might see him at work in the world around him. All the needs he could see and pray for those things. If we do that then, the Lord's Prayer, we can see it's, become a, it's like a form of meditation on, our, on the God the Father and what he wants to give us. Where we open our hearts to God and to the world and bring them together in prayer. You know, I believe that we'll never really understand the answer to this question or know truly how to pray in the way that we should. It's a learning exercise. But if we start with the Lord's Prayer and we're confident that God our Father will hear us and answer us, then at least we'll be on the start of this journey that Jesus is calling us on. So let's begin that journey today. Amen.